everyone, and welcome back to Double FM Sports. I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jared Mizrak. And it's been a little bit for me and Ethan here, but today we are joined by Chris Hacker, uh, race car driver. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you guys? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, another one of our great interviews here. I'm going to start off with uh, your motivation. Where does your love for racing come from? Um, so I've always kind of been into racing my whole life. Um, I can't really put a pinpoint on where it started. I do remember before I got in the seat, I was always still watching NASCAR and stuff like that. Um, as far as getting into uh, being a driver, we were at the Indianapolis Fairgrounds over where we're at, and they have a little quarter midget track there. And I we were watching them and I pretty much looked up at my dad and I was like, hey, you know, I want to try this. And uh, that was back when I was eight years old. And I played like t-ball, soccer and basketball um, in my earlier years. And those were all phases. And so they kind of thought this would be a phase two, but they were they were greatly mistaken on that one. So what has your process been like in racing? So like what car did you start in and what series have you raced in to date? So, like I said, I started out in quarter midgets when I was eight, and then I moved up to the INX Bandolera series at the age of nine. Um, I ran those up until I was 12, when won a couple uh, state champions in those and stuff. Um, I ran the INX or the U.S. Legend cars um, when I was 12, actually. I think I said I ran Bandolera until I was 12, but I moved up to the Legend cars when I was 12. And um, at that moment, that's when I kind of realized I wanted to make this uh, more of like a career instead of a hobby. So um, we were like, all right, well, we need to start moving as quickly as, as we can up to the rain. So um, once I turned 13 in November of 2012, uh, we had we were trying to look for late models um, to race. And then we kind of realized I was a little bit too young. So. We ended up contacting the director of CRA. Um, he's one of the, um, CRA is one of the series that runs out here for late models. And, you know, he's like, you're, you're way too young, stuff like that. So we wrote him a letter, you know, explaining my accomplishments and why we think we can do this. Got a couple like letters and recommendation and sent it out to him. And thankfully he, um, he approved me on that one. So I was able to start running late models at 13, which, um, I was in a nasty wreck and uh, my first year of it, we had a blue car and everything. And I posted on Twitter. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, but um, long story short, a car ended up on top of me and it tore the whole body off and everything. So um, we took it, to, took it back to the shop, uh, put a new body on it, built it. And then next week we came out and won and I became the youngest driver in Syria to win an event. So that was pretty that was pretty awesome for me, but I ran uh, late models till I was about 16 or 17, and that's when the, the money ran dry, and so I, uh, I got out of the seat for a while and, and started working on cars and stuff like that, but um, here lately, I got back in the seat. I did a couple of late model races at first to kind of like knock the cobwebs off, but um, as far as NASCAR goes, I made my uh, ARCA debut at Phoenix um, in the fall of last year. And then my second race is at Charlotte, where I finished top 10. And then now we are looking up to move into the truck series. Uh, you know, you just listed off a bunch of different types of cars. Has there been a favorite that you love to race in? Um, so obviously, like the, the bigger ones and the, the faster ones as I go up um, become my favorite. But as far as, um, you know, just some, some basic racing, 
I would have to say either the legend cars or the the late models. And the reason I say that is because legend cars, they're um I'm not exactly sure what CC um I want to say it is, but I want to say it's like 1200 CC or maybe 1300, but they're um they look like the old like 30s uh, Fords and stuff, like the bubble back and stuff. So what they do is they put Yamaha motors in them and then it has a motorcycle transmission and those cars are so light, but they have so much power that they really teach you like how to handle a car. Um, they teach you like, you know, discipline on the throttle and stuff like that. Cause if you come out of the corner full throttle, the, the rear end's going to kick loose and then, you know, you're just going to spin out. So um, I like those for that reason, just because they, they definitely teach you how to like really drive a car and the late models, man, they, uh, they, you can, you can drive those really aggressively. Um, the way late models work as far as, uh, handling is you want to make sure you get that front end down, um, while you're going into the corner because all the turning is based off that front end suspension. And so, you know, you'll, you'll throttle up going out of the corner and you'll get up to top speed, but for about like, you know, two seconds, you'll just slam on the brakes and you'll drop the front end down. And then you'll kind of like, just feel the car almost like not, not really turn itself, but you'll, you'll kind of feel it like the nose, like start turning down more. So um, I would have to say those two, just cause I like the, you know, the, the driver aspect of them. You mentioned a little bit earlier that you, you got your first top 10 at Charlotte. What was that full experience like for you? Um, so uh, honestly, that was amazing for me. Um, we weren't, we weren't really expecting that. Uh, there was a test session earlier that month, um, for the drivers and stuff. And with our limited funds, we just weren't able to do it and still be able to do a race after Charlotte. So I sadly had to sit out for the test session. Um, they had 45 minutes of practice before the race and qualifying was included with practice. So whatever your fastest lap time was, that's, uh, that's where you qualified. But um, as far as going out and then coming in, making adjustments and stuff, I really only had about like 30 to 35 minutes on the track um, before the race. And so we were just, uh, we were kind of going out there expecting, you know, maybe like hopefully a top 15 and, and still uh, keep the, all the corners on the car. Um, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing we focus on is, you know, coming in and not wrecking, um, you know, because that, that does put a big hole in the pockets uh, when you have to start carrying the cars. But, um, uh, yeah, we just – we I think we were all, like, pretty pretty shocked about the top ten. Um, you know, I, I came across the line uh, for the finish, and I went on the radio, and I was like, I was like, was that a top ten? And then the spotter came back, and he was like, he was like yeah, that was top ten. And then I just started smiling ear to ear. And then, you know, I came in, and my brother gave me a fist bump. Um, as for him to get into racing, it's huge because, uh, you know, he was never he was never really into it. But now that I'm making my way up through the ranks, he's like he's kind of more hyped up about it. And then, you know, I hopped out of the car. My dad gave me a big, huge hug and all the crew members said good job. So, I mean, it was it was definitely a blast. And then, you know, everybody went home with a smile on their face. And, and that's all what racing is about, you know, so. That leads me into my next question here. Um, you know, great memory. Would you say that's your favorite or is there another memory that sticks out the most that you would consider your favorite racing memory? Um, you know, so far that, that definitely is almost the top of the list, but, um, 
I would have to say my favorite was when I first started racing quarter midgets. It was on my dad's birthday. Um, we got the quarter midget when I turned eight or I got it from my parents when I turned uh, eight. It was, it was my eight-year birthday present. And uh, like I said earlier, my birthday's in November. So when that happened, we were all kind of like, well, we got like a couple months now before we can start racing again because winter was coming. But Columbus, Ohio, they have an indoor quarter midget track. And so we actually just shot up there um, during that winter and did some races out there. And I had a couple races under my belt and, you know, I was understanding the cars and um, stuff like that. And me and my dad were like button heads that day. I was like, you know, the car's not handling right. And he's like, you're not driving right. And like kind of just went back and forth. And finally I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to just go out there and win it. Like, and I was like, I'm going to win it for your birthday. And uh, yeah, thankfully I did. I went out there and I, I got my first ever W and it happened to be on his birthday. So, um, you know, I came in, he got a little teary eyed and I was like, you know, told you so. And he, uh, you know, that was a pretty happy moment for both of us. But I would probably have to uh, top, it all, top it all right now. So what is it like racing with a brachial plexus injury? So what is that injury and does it affect you while driving? So brachial plexus injury, um, long story short, is nerve damage. Um, what it does is it affects your movement and feeling and either or arm. Um, it can happen like during birth, during car wrecks, any any major accidents that, that affect your, your nervous system. And Mine happened to be from birth. Um, I ended up being uh, a lot heavier than what they thought I was going to be. Um, I ended up coming out 11 pounds, which should be a C-section, but they weren't fully aware of my weight at the time. So um, they weren't prepared for that. And um, during birth, they kind of like had to pull me out and they ended up ripping the nerves in my neck and stuff. So at first I can only move my fingertips and then they took nerves out of my ankles and my calves and they kind of like moved them around in my arms and stuff. Um, they transferred them to my wrist, my shoulder and my neck. Um, but now I have about 50% range of movement, which um, isn't a lot, but it's a lot better from where it started. As far as, uh, you know, it affecting my racing and stuff, um, the biggest thing I always tell people is that because mine was from birth, it's kind of like the normal for me. So I can't really like compare it to anything else. Um, I just, I have some things I've had to adapt a little bit different than others. Um, like back when I was running late models, uh, I was littler at the time. So my, I wasn't really like as bulky as uh, you could say as I am now. But so what we did is we'd have to uh, change the valves and the rack and pinion to make the steering a little bit easier just because my right arm is doing a lot of the work so I mean that's an example on how we like kind of have to like just work around it um, my biggest setback so far um, which I haven't been able to you know approach it yet just because I haven't um, ran on the road courses yet but um, having to shift while uh, doing the road course races um, my arm can kind of hold, my left arm can kind of hold the wheel still um, while driving, but it can't really turn it. It doesn't really have the muscle mass to do so. So that is something that me and uh, the, the teams have been talking about, trying to figure out how to approach it, um, whether if we need to like move the shifter like really close to the wheel, just so I can like swap my right arm back and forth really quickly. Um, 
But yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's just like it's just adapting and learning on on how to do it my own way um, versus how the other drivers are doing it. Now, I read an article um, first talking about, you know, this brachial plexus injury and how you were uh, getting money for kids to go to a camp uh, that were like that. What does that mean to you to know that you're helping out, you know, kids that are in a similar situation as you? Um, you know, I mean, it makes me, it, I mean, it humbles me a lot. It makes me feel happy to be able to allow these kids to um, meet other kids like them. Uh, for example, I, I went, I, ra- I started raising the money back in, I want to say 2014, maybe 2015. And what it is, it's, it's a brachial plexus injury camp. Um, UBPN is the organization that runs it. And um, pretty much what it is, is, is all these kids, I mean, even adults, sometimes um, they kind of get together and they, they talk to each other and they kind of like learn from each other on how they like go after day-to-day or day-to-day tasks and you know growing up you know there's a there's not really too many kids who who have the injury that I have so I was never able to kind of connect with any of them but um I went to this camp after I raised the money um I attended it too and um I learned that you know like some of some of these other people have like the the normal daily tasks um that kind of set them back a little bit uh, for example, like I, I've, I've gotten used to it now, but like buttoning up a shirt, I, I could almost never do so. And it was a little bit difficult tying my shoes growing up uh, just because the lack of like grip in my left hand. So um, after going to this camp and, and realizing that other people kind of face these challenges, it, it kind of made me feel like a little bit more uh, um, included, I guess you could say. Um, I, don't, I don't know the exact word for it off the top of my head, but um, you know, I was just after that, I was just like, you know, we need to keep this going because I want to I want to be able to have like I want to be able to give these kids who who can't afford it the opportunity to go there and, and see that they're not the only one going through this. Yeah, of course. So if you could race at any track, what track would you race on? Or like, what is your dream track to race on right now? Easy question. Bristol. I've loved Bristol ever since I was a little kid. And I think it has to do with kind of like that driver aspect of, of racing. Cause um, I love short track racing, you know, hard on the throttle, hard on the brakes and, you know, just cranking the wheel really quickly and stuff like that. Um, I was, when I got out of late models around the, the 17 age, they announced that late models were going to be running at Bristol for the first time. And I was just like, I was like, man, like really the year I get out of it. And um, but you know, Bristol's still going on later this year. So, I mean, maybe I can pull some strings and try to try to get that in, but Bristol will definitely be my, my number one pick on that. Now we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but you know, within the different series, the different cars, what is the competition like and how have you gone about dealing with the different levels of competition? So, um, a lot of the competition after let's cars which would be late models and up has to do a lot with money um there's a lot more stuff that goes into driving late models and and arca cars so um a lot of the the people with the with the deeper pockets are able to kind of get you know not a huge advantage because there are like rules through tech and everything you know everybody has to follow the the a certain criteria but um for a prime example somebody might be able to hire like a full-on like engineer 
um, from from a college or something like that who who understands physics 100. Which um, I mean, like I said, it's not a huge advantage, but it, the every little bit counts. Um, as far as uh, before late models, you know, a lot of that was driver um, orientated. So, you know, it was, it was kind of the whoever was driving it was showing up the most. But um, late models probably has the biggest um, competition out there. I don't know if you've heard of Steven Nassi or any of those guys, but, um, you know, there's some there's some good drivers out there in late models and, and some of them just aren't able to make their way up. Um, into the NASCAR series just because of their their funding and stuff like that but um, you know in short track racing itself is is you know competition based um, like I said I mean you're you're throttling up on the exits of the corners and diving on the brakes on entry so um, late models would probably have to be the the most competition I've faced so far but I feel like once I make my truck debut that will definitely change. So what are some goals you have for your career? Obviously your career, uh, you're, you're only like 22, so you have a long ways to go. So what are some goals you have coming up? Um, so, I mean, we, we are working on making my truck debut um, here this season and um, not sure if it will happen, but, you know, we, we're shooting for it. We're trying to run a full season in trucks next year. Um, and then after that, you know, move my way up to the cup series as quickly as possible and as like efficiently as possible. We got to make sure, you know, the money lines up and everything for that. Um, but as far as like my lifelong career, I kind of want to like follow what Jimmy Johnson has done here lately, where, you know, he did the best he could in the cup series and then kind of like diverse out to other different cars, um, you know, such as open wheel or, or maybe pro trucks where they're doing the jumps and everything. Um, I've always wanted to try rally racing too. Um, you know, that like what Ken Block does, that would, that'd be pretty awesome for me. But, um, right now my main focus is getting up to the cup series. And then, and then once I am able to accomplish some things up there and definitely diverse out. Uh, this is a question that I really wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, I told you I'm a big NASCAR fan. Obviously you are too. A lot of people that don't understand the sport just say, you know, it's just a bunch of left turns. What's so exciting about that? So what is racing to you? Why is it not just a bunch of left turns? So, I mean, there, there's, I mean, short answer, they, they are correct. You know, you, you are going in a circle and stuff like that, but there's a lot of many different aspects that play into it. Um, you know, you're not, you're not just going to left turn. You're going to left turn at like 190 miles an hour. Um, first off and you know when you're behind the wheel and you're controlling those vehicles at those speeds it's I mean it's, it's nothing you can really describe you know um, roller coasters are boring to me nowadays I, I can fall asleep on them um, they don't they don't get my blood going like racing does but um, a lot of people don't understand is um, you know the the way the cars handle you got to you got to like chase them down. Um, for example, at Charlotte, uh, when you'll go into the corner, you'll feel the rear end kind of kick out almost like the car is going to spin out. But then it's almost like someone just like stops the rear end from sliding. And then you kind of just roll the corner at a little angle. And what that is from is the aerodynamics, the air is catching the rear wing. And so once it gets to a certain angle, that's when the air like starts putting more force on it. And so, like, 
when you go in the corner, you know, you, you kind of like chase the wheel a little bit and stuff like that. And you have the throttle play. And then once you feel that happen, you throttle up and then you, you go out. But it's just like all the little things like that happen while you're driving adds up. And it, it's definitely it, it's hard to describe what it's like, but it's definitely a, like a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to experience. So, so who have been some of your role models, maybe in NASCAR or just in life in general? So I always liked Jeff Gordon going up, growing up. Um, I, like I said before, I was watching NASCAR before I even got into the seat, and he was kind of always my number one pick. Um, I can't, I can't really tell you why. I'm not, I'm not sure. But ever since then, I always stuck with it, and he's just, he's always been my favorite. Um, another one I like in NASCAR that that's currently driving is Chase Elliott. You know, he's he's a pretty awesome driver. Um, I got the chance to race with him in late models back in, uh, I want to say it was 2017. He uh, he kicked my butt in those, you know, he's, he's, just, he's really, he's really talented. And then uh, my third in NASCAR would have to be Martin Truex Jr. And that's just because he's kind of making his way up still. Um, but, you know, he was able to prove himself with the underfunded team that he had um, a couple years ago. Um, and which, I mean, I believe that should be what NASCAR is all about is, you know, you know, proving yourself, not having the money prove you. And, you know, that is the case sometimes here and there, but, um, you know, money definitely plays a big role in it nowadays. And um, as far as life, you know, my, my dad has always been my biggest role model. He kind of came from like a lower income family while he was growing up. And, you know, he worked his he worked his tail off every day, you know, nine to five. I mean, even later sometimes to not only raise a, a good family, but to also like support me in racing financially and stuff. So um you know for him to just like kind of like make a whole 180 um from where he grew up to where he is now definitely is a is a huge role model on me for that one because I mean you know that's what that's what life's all about you know working working for everything you want and, and living your dream racing obviously is a big part of your life and I'm sure you spend a lot of time with it but outside of racing what are some of your hobbies what can I see you doing if you're not you know in the car working on the car um so you know I've been asked this a couple times in my past podcasts and I've been thinking about how to answer these but it's kind of difficult because literally the only things I really do involves racing so um I still work uh, at a job like Monday through Friday and it's not on race cars but I fix wrecked cars so you know I'm, I'm always working with cars and then I'll come home I'll shower get all the grease off me and stuff and then, you know, I'll, uh, I mean, I get on social media here and there, but other than social media, man, I mean, really, I just, I hop on iRacing, um, my simulator that I have, and I just, I make some laps on there. And that's kind of like, like really racing is kind of like is a hundred percent of my life right now. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't really play basketball or anything like that. Um, you know, I do go to the gym, but I wouldn't really call it a hobby just because I, I strictly go there, you know, to keep myself fit for racing. Um, but yeah, there's just there's nothing really in my life right now other than racing to to go after. So do you I don't know, do you follow any professional other professional sports or are you just purely racing in terms of just following sports? 
Um, yeah, like I'm purely racing. Like if like I'm watching like basketball, I couldn't tell you if like something was a foul or not. Like I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm a complete, complete idiot about any other sports besides racing. And um, a lot of that has to do that with was just because like I started at such a young age and it's kind of like what I devoted my life to. And so like I never I never really tried to get interested in anything else but racing. Um, you know, it's just never too late to learn, but you know, I'm still still pretty demotivated to to racing. So I just haven't gotten the opportunity to kind of sit down and, and follow everything else. Um, you know, I can I mean I can name off like LeBron and and stuff like that, but you know, other than that, you know, I don't I don't know any players or, or anything. So all right, well, I'm, I'm going to get you back into your realm of racing then when we're talking about professional athletes. You know, I've heard a lot of talk about maybe your Mount Rushmore of racing. You know, you have three seven-time cup champions. Uh, there's four spots on Mount Rushmore. Who Who is that fourth one? Or maybe is one of the seven-time not up on that? And who, who's who's who is your Mount Rushmore? Who, who would be your, you know, Mount Rushmore of racing, your top four uh, guys uh, all time? So... Jeff Gordon would be one. It's this is all time, correct? Yeah. So Jeff Gordon would definitely be one. Um, another one would have to be um, Dale Earnhardt Sr. The next one I would have to go with. I'd probably have to go with Kyle Larson. Um, he's he's just such a really good driver in, in all realms, whether it's NASCAR, dirt racing, late model racing. You know, he's just he's awesome. And then other than that, um, it would be a big tie in between uh, Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott. But I think I would have to go with Chase Elliott because um, I definitely think he will he will outdo Jimmy Johnson by the end of his career. All right. I like I like those answers. Uh so last question I've got for you here. Um, if you could talk to kids that want to get into racing and tell them one message, one piece of advice, what would you tell them? So if you are going to try to get into racing, the biggest thing to to understand is you have to kind of like put 100% uh, into it. You know, there, there's going to be days where you're going to be, um, you know, if you're doing it yourself, you're going to be up late working on the car um, from a rough weekend at the track and stuff like that but you know as long as you're staying you know 100% into it, it it's going to go somewhere eventually um you know whether you're you aren't a driver or you're working on the car and stuff like that um you know I, if I don't make it as a driver in my lifetime I'm definitely definitely going to be doing the next best thing which is being on a crew um you know which I'll, I'll still be happy about doing it as long as I'm involved with racing but just just keeping your head straight and and staying determined towards it um i mean that's kind of all it, it really takes and then you know the path will kind of pave its way um in front of you all right well kbm floor sport gms you heard the story here let's get this man a contract let's get him in the, the driver's seat but yeah chris once uh you know thank you for coming on i really appreciate take, appreciate you taking some time out of your night to sit down with us and get to know you Yep, for sure. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Ethan, you want to hit us with that outro? Sure. So we're not bluffing sports. I'm Ethan Baker. And I'm Jeremy Zarek. And we are signing off.